It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Well, we knew after recording last week's episode that the Big Ten schedule was about to get even tougher for Michigan State basketball. That proved to be the case as the Spartans dropped back-to-back hard-fought games at Illinois and at home versus Purdue on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Where do the Spartans stand now, and how will they be able to move forward without one of their best players, especially with plenty of tough games left on the schedule? We'll discuss that on episode 99 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. Appreciate everyone listening here for day, uh, today. Uh, Kyle, let's I guess let's start with some overall thoughts since we had two games to deal with here. I mean, we, we were both pretty positive. I think all three of us were pretty positive of you know, before coming to these games last week. But has your opinion changed much of this team after these two games? I don't think my, excuse me, I don't think my opinion's changed. Uh, the team's changed, um, obviously, with Malik Hall going down. Um, but um, other than that, I mean, I I thought they played pretty well overall. Um, we're up, what was it, nine on Illinois in the second half um, and played a, a Great game against Purdue. Uh, had the number three te- team in the country, um, right down to the wire to the last possession. So played well. Um, I mean, you can never obviously never know this, but they have Malik Hall those last seven minutes against Illinois, and they have him yesterday. Um, or they, you know, won both of those in one of the highest teams in the country. I think you could. I would listen to that argument from somebody because I think he's that important of a player for them. So um, overall, I I think they're. Everybody else is playing well, or not everybody else. Most other guys on this team are playing well. It's playing well as a team. It's just losing Malik Hall lowers your ceiling, and it makes things difficult, and it gives you um, almost no margin for error. A team that, to me, already had little margin for error um, basically has none, and they're going to, against the likes of Purdue, you're going to need to play basically perfectly. Uh, You can't have those first five minutes that they had. Um, and it's going to be like that uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of nights going forward and, and until he gets back and if he gets back. Yeah, let's just get into Malik then since we brought it up already. I mean, I, yeah, the losses kind of stink, but like you said, I think Michigan State did about all they could do against Purdue outside of, you know, a few. You mentioned you can't have a, a, a couple of those turnovers when they had chances to uh, extend leads or cut into leads. Um, and, you know, guarding Zach Eady is a whole nother story that I think we can get into, but I think the team overall, you know, they they perform pretty well, even in losing efforts, but yeah, losing Malik, we've talked about it at nauseum when he was out the first time, he's just the guy who does every little thing for Michigan state. He gets people organized. He does things that don't show up on the box score. He's a veteran calming presence that is no longer going to be out there. I mean, what's the latest on Malik Hall that we got? Do we, I mean, I know it looked for a little bit there, like he might be done for the year, but it looks like today, maybe that information's changing a little bit, but regardless, they're going to be without him for a while. And it's a true concern. Yeah. Um, he was talking to it. They were talking to the specialist yesterday. Um, I know, and we're about to talk, you know, here it is, uh, what is it? Tuesday, early afternoon. Uh, we'll get to talk to Tom Izzo here, um, shortly, but it sounds like he told someone this morning that, um, it's maybe looking a little bit better than yesterday. Um, and it could be a matter of a few weeks, but they're 
hopeful that he'll play again this year, um, which yesterday that was that was the big question. But um, again, I mean, I, f- I feel like I've gone in a time machine back to November here. But these, these foot injuries and the stress reaction thing, you just don't know how they go. Um, so they can get the best information from the best doctors and they will on that. And that's, um, that's what they've done, but you will just ha- kind of have to wait and see how he feels, um, and, and how his foot heals. So not a good position to be in, but I, I just think the mindset right now from issue, you can't sit there every game, hoping he's going to be back, wondering when he's going to be back. Like it's going to be more than a game or two. So I think you just have to take the outlook of we're without him. How do we give ourselves the best chance of winning without Malik Hall on the floor? Do you think that's going to be more of what they did earlier in the year? More Pierre Brooks? I mean, <laughs> Pierre's fallen off a little bit in recent games. And I know Tom, what, he only played three minutes, I think, against Illinois. And I think he... Cutting out there, but I think I can answer your question. Um, it's funny because I asked um, I asked Tom kind of that question yesterday because um, Pierre Brooks went, you know, four minutes, four minutes, like you said. And meanwhile, like yesterday, I should have the box in front of me, but I think it was like Malik Hall... 30 or not Malik Hall, excuse me, Joey Howard for 38 minutes, Tyson Walker, 36, AJ Hogarth, 36, Jaden Akins, 32. Um, and, you know, when you're playing every three days, like Michigan State is right now in the Big Ten, and you're playing these tough physical games, that's just not sustainable. Um, I think mostly for uh, Malik or for Joey Hauser at the top of that point, 38. And I think he had played 38 against Illinois. So something's got to give there. And, and basically my question to Tom is, what can give there? Um, and, and really the only answer is to play other guys. And his response to me was, if I had other guys ready to play, I would have played them, um, which Matt's chuckling. Tom was in a mood yesterday, which we can talk about um, a little bit too. But um, yeah, so I, they're going to have to either trust Pierre more. Pierre's going to have to start playing a little bit more or Michigan State's just going to have to run guys out there 35 minutes a night and hope they don't get run into the ground. But um <laughs> It's hard to imagine um, that not having an effect. If, if their strategy going forward is going to be playing their top four guys 35 minutes a night, um, it, you have to think that's going to catch up to them. Brandon is uh, frozen a little bit now. So, Matt, maybe you want to chime in because you were there yeah. yesterday and, and you heard all this too. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you heard something in the locker room after the game, Joey Hauser, like you said, uh, I got I got the box score in front box score in front of me. So I got your back. Yeah, 38 minutes for, for Joey. And he's admitted, yeah, you know, retired you know and also part of it look at the look at their condensed schedule you know we've talked about this before I think but um you know what Friday night in Champagne's Monday afternoon and what Thursday again and you know I mean that's that's a lot you know that's you know and and you know it's only mid-January so I don't know how how much you can ride these guys that you know for that many minutes um and expect them to uh be able to play at, at the level that you need them to play at in order to be successful. And Pierre had 0 for 4 yesterday, 0 for 3 from 3, and he played a little more than 11 minutes. So, Yeah, and I, I don't think the missed shots um, are the um, are the issue there with, with Tom Azar. No. You really got to look at the, the film and, and see just where he um, he's not doing what needs to be done defensively. I mean, the, the, biggest, the, the biggest one for me yesterday is um, Purdue second half had a – baseline out of bounds play um, where a guy got totally clear to the hoop for a layup. And I, I, I have a hard time assigning blame kind of like Matt for you football, you watch a yeah. play and it's like, who was this on? Like I, <laughs> I, 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 I always um, hesitate to definitively do blame. Cause I don't know their coverage isn't exactly how everything's supposed to be played, but that looked like it was pretty clear on Pierre and he came out for good 
uh, pretty soon after that. So yeah, I mean, it's it seems like Izzo is trending towards the I'm going to ride my horses, and if I ride them into the ground, um, so be it. But I, I'm surprised, I guess, at this point that that's the situation we're in with Malik Hall out because um, I, I thought Pierre Book should be more ready um, and that he'd be a guy ready to step up, and maybe he still will be. I mean, there's a lot of season left, and I don't think um, I don't think anything's said and done for him. But right now, I mean, Tom Izzo basically has four guys he trusts in a center rotation, um, and Trey Holloman's going to get in there a little bit. Um, I mean, we'll still see Pierre to some degree, but um, yeah, it, it's a strange. And then we'll get back to wh- what I just mentioned, Tom being in a mood yesterday. I mean, I that was that was as angry as I've seen him all year. And I think it was just kind of a accumulation of things. I mean, they, they lose a game that they had every chance to win. Um, not every chance I should say, but they had a very good chance to win. They played excellent down the stretch. They got 30 points from Tyson Walker. Um, uh, they fought back after a, a tough start. So they played very, very well and had a chance to win that game. Um, but officiating, we don't talk about officiating a lot here because I, I don't know. I, I, feel like it's an easy kind of button to press, you know, but I, I do think it's worth mentioning that foul on Tyson Walker. Um, what was that man about a minute or two left to play out on the outside? Uh, I thought it was less than that. I thought it was, it was like 30, 30, 30 some. It was that late. I think you're right now. Yeah. Um, and that's what sent um, lawyer to the line for the uh, go ahead free throws. Yeah. I thought it was like and, 32 seconds left. Right. So even more important then. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the the way that game was played and the way it was officiated, um, I, I I don't I don't think anybody liked to see that call in that spot. I mean, I guess Purdue fans did, but um, <laughs> it, it had a major impact on the game. And you know what he did, you know, having a little contact fighting through a screen, I don't think had any impact on that play. So I thought that was disproportionate. Izzo was upset about that. He was, was upset about um, how the post was um, officiated, which. I mean, I guess I'll say in official's defense there, a guy like Edie is just impossible to um, officiate. And every one of these Purdue monsters that have come through from Harms and everybody else um, has been very difficult to officiate. But the point is, you've got two big guys pushing up against each other. And do you call a foul? Who do you call a foul on? And, and Tommy Joe thought that um, his guys in those battles got a few too many of the fouls, Madi Sissoko in, in particular, not to mention Madi getting hooked and held pretty badly and thrown to the ground and called for a foul. Um, so between the outcome, the officiating, and what happened to Malik Hall, um, you know, Tom was pretty upset. As upset as I've seen him all year. So um, uh, not with his team, though. Uh, just upset, I think, with the situation. And this team just kind of had a stretch of bad luck. Um, and then that's going to happen um, throughout the season. So, Brandon, we got you back now. I hope so. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, technical issues over here. You guys completely froze on me. Um, but yeah, I'm assuming you just kept going with it. I'm not sure what you were talking about. We're, we're still talking Purdue, and we were getting Kyle was getting into uh, the officiating and how pissed off Tom Izzo was yesterday. But I, I would have to agree with Kyle definitely. I don't know how you officiate a guy like Edie, but I also don't know how a guy who's seven four and more than 300 pounds can play that physical of a game and not get called for a single foul. So, you know, he, I mean, officiating or not, I mean, good luck guarding him. I mean, you know, I thought Madi did a pretty decent job mm-hmm. for the most part. You know, I mean, he's given up seven inches and, uh, you know, what, 30 pounds or something like that. You know, I didn't, it's just, you know, basically impossible. But um, I thought they, you know, I thought their strategy, like Tom said after the game, you know, he, it was pick your poison. And he said he was, you know, if he had to do it all over again, he, he, you know, picked the same poison, which was basically 
let ed you know try you know obviously you're not giving them anything for free but you're not just sacrificing the rest you're going to try to make ed score enough points to beat you and not get beat outside i'm, I'm going to brag for one quick second we took a sports writer pool before <laughs> uh the game about how many points zach ed would get and it, it's clear how you 30 or 31 31 um, i think 31 yeah and i i hit 32 on the nose because um <laughs> I mean, it was it was just a perfect storm because you knew Tom Izzo was likely going to single team him. You knew that Michigan State doesn't have – I mean, nobody has a good Zach Eady matchup in the country. That's why he's the National Player of the Year frontrunner. But Michigan State is undersized there and doesn't maybe have some of the defensive big men that it's had in the past. So it was kind of a perfect formula for him to go big. But I, I do think, like you said, Matt, the fact that they were in a one-possession game until the very end, um, that was the right strategy. I think if you doubled – him, we could have been talking about 30 points for, for Fletcher Lawyer, and that would have been that would have been a fun story for you to write, Matt. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, <laughs> the Foster's better chance were uh, – they were interesting. Yes. No, no, he, he played really well down the stretch, and they uh, they stopped chanting that. I don't – I think that probably only served to motivate the young man. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. Well, one, it's not true. Two, like, <laughs> do you like Foster now? You didn't like him when he was here. Are you going to pretend like you liked him now? I, I had some issues with that chant. Yeah, well – Zach Eady had 26 shots. I agree. I think they did okay with him when, like, Sissoko could push him away from the basket a little bit so he's a little bit more out of his comfort zone. I mean, Michigan State out-rebounded Purdue somehow. So that's – you call it – I mean, I think they did a lot of things they had to do to win. Tyson Walker goes off, like, absolute heroics. Like, the last time I think we saw him do that was against Illinois at home, and they lost that game too. But, I mean, he – I guess he could be somewhat conservative and you're like, oh, Tyson Walker goes off for this crazy performance and they still don't win. You know, I guess you could sort of look at that for the future as maybe a bad omen. Like they're getting this ridiculous career high and they still don't win the game, but you're not playing Purdue every game. So I think it'll be all right, but I agree, Matt. I think, you know, Evie's going to get the headlines, but I think Fletcher Lawyer, some of the shots he made, some of the tough driving layups, uh, obviously the feed at the very end of the game to Evie. I, I think he's the one who really won them that game down the stretch. I don't know how you feel about that, Kyle. Yeah, I know I do too, because he, I mean, basically the strategy was <clears throat> Zach Eady cannot score enough points to beat you single-handedly. Um, and he needed somebody else to step up. Um, he was, I mean, he could have scored 40, but if he didn't get any help, it, that wasn't going to be enough. So yeah, they got, uh, they got Fletcher Lawyer. And if you've watched Big Ten basketball this year, like that, that's kind of been his thing late in games. Mm-hmm. What do you make of, uh, just going back to the Illinois game real quick, they didn't make a single three-pointer. I mean, that was truly mind-blowing. Was it something Illinois was doing? or Because yeah. I don't think Michigan State's going to win a lot of games when they don't make threes. And the fact that they were even in that game on the road was kind of mind-blowing. So, yes, that was very much a function of um, Brad, Brad uh, Underwood's strategy, which he, uh, he happily shared with us afterwards. I mean, he basically looked at I, – I forget the exact numbers, but – um, Michigan State's um, likelihood of winning goes down significantly the fewer they hit, which is probably true for most teams, but I think it's probably a little bit more true for Michigan State. The fewer three-pointers they hit, uh, the worse their record is. So, I mean, I think you look at their personnel and say they're not a great team at driving to the hoop and getting fouled. Um, they are a good three-point shooting team, so if you can take away the threes, they're going to be en- left with a fair amount of long twos, which um, to the um, – think of the right word here to the frustration of many Michigan state fans, Michigan state is all too happy to take those long twos. So um, Underwood's quote was basically, we were fine with them shooting long twos all day. And I did think they did a pretty good job of getting to the hoop and taking what was there. And they, even though that's not their strength, I thought they did it pretty well, Illinois, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think he looked at Michigan State and said, I don't think this team can beat me getting to the hoop and shooting long twos. And he was right. I mean, it's not like they they blew him out. Um, I mean, Michigan State, again, if they had Malik Hall, maybe they, maybe they pull that out. But I'm curious to see um, if other teams try that. And I don't think a lot of teams are going to hold them without a three-pointer. And they did miss some that they should have made or they're going to make often. But In um, both games, I thought, honestly. Right. And, but I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, every sports are copycat, right? I mean, something works against somebody, somebody else is going to try it. So I'd be surprised if one of Michigan State's next few opponents doesn't uh, try to do the same thing there. Yeah. And it's more tough opponents, what at home against Rutgers on Thursday than at Indiana Sunday. I mean, there's no, there's no relief in this schedule for Michigan State. You know, we talked, we've talked at length about the non conference. It seems like Michigan State kind of got a short end of the straw. I mean, I know Tom's been talking about scheduling a lot lately. Um, but they did get kind of a tough draw when it comes to the Big Ten schedule even this year. I mean, they're playing a lot of the top teams twice. Yeah, um, and his issue seems to be more about the spacing of games um, because, um, you know, he's talking about, you know, X number of games and X number of days, and basically all their games have been two-day preps. They're having like four in a row. That's Generally, that's the minimum in the Big Ten is two days off game, two days off game. Um, and I, I think the frustration is just, um, that it's not consistent. You know, you'll have a, a condensed stretch, then you'll have, you know, basically a bye week and you'll have five days off and then you'll have a condensed stretch and then a bye week. And I think he wants it a little bit more uniform. Um, because what happens is, you know, you get, you run into a team that just had their bye and you're at the end of a tough stretch and that plays a pretty significant, um, role in who wins. And, and that really wasn't the case. Um, I mean, Purdue, I think had been in a similar stretch and Rutgers is going to have one more day than Michigan state, but their, their schedule has been lighter overall, but I think they, they got their condensed stretch early. Um, they got it against really good teams, um, at Illinois, at Wisconsin, uh, Purdue Rutgers. I mean, that's a, that's a tough stretch, no matter how spaced apart they are, but when you, you cram them together, it kind of just compounds things. Um, so I, I think that's the, I think that's the great because they're playing the same number of games in the same number of windows. I think it's just the distribution is not even, and I think we know, uh, who we can chalk that up to, um. Our, our, our friends that make the TV uh, that, that makes the TV schedules, I would say. And one thing I was thinking about with Michigan State in particular is they're always going to be one of the bigger draws for networks, you know, because they're one of the top tier programs in the Big Ten. So yeah, mm-hmm. they're going to be playing on MLK Day. They're going to be playing in these big standalone Friday games. They're going to be playing in you know CBS windows. You know, if you're yeah. if you're a lower tier program, you don't have to worry about these things. But it says a lot about Michigan State's program that they're going to draw and they're going to want to be in these windows. So I'm not sure what the fix actually is for that um, because yeah, the program is getting all sorts of exposure. Yeah, if I if I was a data whiz, I'd look at all the how many preps you get and, and blah blah blah. But um, <laughs> Izzo seems to think that it was uh, it is worse this year, and you know he's been around long enough. He's seen the schedule evolve from a pretty consistent: you play Thursday and you play Saturday or whatever it used to be back in the day. And like the the, the point is, and, and other coaches have made this too: it's just not consistent, and it's creating unfair advantages for certain teams at certain times. So Michigan State is now 12 and six, four and three overall in the big time. They're right in the thick of it. Do you think Michigan State, I mean, it, are they, is their record, are they better than their record? Are they worse than their record? Are they right about where they should be? It's, it's hard to say because they've got these wins over teams like, you know, Michigan and Penn State and Kentucky and Villanova, but then, you know, programs that are good on paper, but some of them are underperforming this year. And then they've, 
got these losses to Big Ten teams that they're probably not as good as. I mean, I don't know. Does the record – I guess what I'm asking both of you is, does the record reflect the team that Michigan State is right now? I, I think it does. I mean, this this looks like about a 12-6 and six team to me. Um, I mean, I hate to be a broken record on it, but a team with Malik Hall all year is probably better than that. But uh, Michigan State without him um, – I mean, that seems about right to me. Um, and, you know, it. W- I think we talked last pod about, you know, when they were on the win streak, it's uh, which ended up getting to seven games. Is it's, Can they be a contender? I mean, obviously, Purdue looks like the best, but can they be in that upper tier? Um, you know, I feel like you got to downgrade them now. And I'm not in the I'm not in the chicken little camp of, you know, uh, seasons over, you know, when spring football, that sort of thing. Like, I still think. This team can do some things, even if it doesn't get Malik Hall back or even if it misses him for a while. Um, but he's just such an important part of the team that it, it's hard to see them really being an upper tier Big Ten team for the next few weeks without him. Um, a lot but, of what we've had the last two years, maybe. Yeah, but I also I, I don't think they're going to end up on really on the bubble either. Like, I, I think. I think their core is better than it was. Um, I think Joey Hauser is significantly better. Tyson Walker is significantly better. AJ Hogarth, I probably should have said first. I think he's probably the most improved, him and um, Hauser. So I think they have enough veterans that they're going to weather it. They're going to win some close games. I know they just lost two close games, but they're going to be able to pull out close games. So I I would bet they stay off the bubble, but we're not talking about a top three Big Ten team anymore. That's kind of my – you didn't ask me for my prediction, but I gave it to you. (laughs) Same assessment, Matt? Yeah, I think I think pretty much. I mean, if if they had Hall and Aikens fully healthy, you know, this whole season, do they probably win another game or so? Yeah, sure. But you know, you, when you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum. When you go with a smaller team, you don't add from the portal, and you have a smaller number of guys you trust, like Kyle mentioned. You know, the margin is really thin, and and that's where they're at right now. And, and you know. Yeah, that good win at Wisconsin, and then you know you come up on the wrong side of that that margin the last uh, well twice in four days or, or whatever the hell that was. But um, yeah, I, I I would agree with Kyle's assessment. This team's about where it's at, um, especially when you consider some of the you know being a little shorthanded and some of the the health issues they've dealt with and will continue to deal with. Especially if you like look at the Big Ten and you look at like you know the teams that are up top, you know Purdue, Rutgers. I mean, I wouldn't say people thought those were the favorites coming into the year. You know, Indiana was a favorite coming to the year. They're not, they're down at the bottom. You know, Illinois has been up and down. Michigan is okay in the standings right now, but they've definitely been disappointing. Really, Michigan State is like the one team in the Big Ten that's sort of done what we thought they would preseason. You know, just kind of like be good, but not great in the middle somewhere. I agree that it's looking like, you know, maybe like seven, eight, nine, ten seeds somewhere in there. Maybe a second round, you can push a, a higher seed because they did just take Purdue to a one point game without Malik Hall. So it's not to say this team isn't veteran and talented enough to win games. And I think they will win enough games, uh, but yes, you have to say the ceiling is lower with Malik Hall because he's just a do everything guy for them. Uh, anything else on hoops or uh, should we, should we just get a quick basketball news update and then get out of here? Oh, I think, I, I think Kyle needs to follow up with his story about his pregame meal and champagne that he previewed uh, oh, yeah. last week and, and how that yeah. worked out for the guys. Oh my gosh. Okay. So uh, no free ads, but Papa Dell's pizza and champagne is fantastic. Uh, we sit down. It takes them like an hour and a half to cook the pizza, uh, which is a good thing um, because it's like super deep dish. Uh, there's four of us there. We eat um, totally stuffed, like as full as I can remember being in a while. I had I had too much pizza. And we go over and we walk into the media room 
and there's Papadopoulos pizza sitting there. For <laughs> and I said, oh, my gosh. I said, I can't even look at this. So I went back upstairs, covered the game, everything. And I'm still totally full. Like, I was full at lunch the next day. But I'm totally full through the whole game. We get we get done with the game. We go through um, interviews. We're walking out of the locker room. And on the way out, one of the uh, Michigan State staffers, very friendly, says, oh, by the way, guys, we, we had a bunch of extra pizza that was sitting in there. You guys can have it if you want. And I said, oh, my gosh, everyone's offering me pizza. And normally I'm I'm totally good for it. But the one day I'm like totally stuffed with pizza, I get two more offers of it. So does Illinois SID listen to this podcast, Kyle? I don't know. I, not, not that I not that I know of. Um, <laughs> well, that, you know, plenty of pizza to go around. I'm going to have to hit that place next time. I'm, I'm cruising through Champagne with all these uh, positive reviews. But we can uh, we can do we can do a full uh, maybe off season. We'll do a full Big Ten bars and restaurants. So I've been saying that, man. So food of the Big mac Ten. Mac and chipping. Yep. Yeah. Food of the Big Ten. It needs to happen. Um, yeah. Okay, Matt. Just some brief football news, right? Oh yeah. This will be real quick. Um, well, for one, they just um, started their uh, winter strength and conditioning program today. They just tweeted that with some pictures. So. Um, you know, it's seven weeks to lead you into spring practice and, uh, you know, go from there, but it's, it's just, you know, more, um, roster news, I guess, um, you know, transactional news. So I can't remember, I think last time we recorded Jeff Petrowski and Trent announced he was going to West, um, I'm sorry, Wisconsin. Um, so run it down, uh, Tate Halleck to Western Michigan. He's a uh, safety who graduated, uh, Chase Carter, true freshman, uh, defensive end is going to incarnate word, which is a, uh, uh, good FCS program out of Texas. Uh, Terry Lockett, the receiver, is headed to Eastern. Uh, Michigan State added a long snapper from Ohio State, Mason Arnold, who uh, took over as a, kind of a similar situation to Michigan State uh, this year. Uh, Ohio State lost her starting long snapper to injury, so he takes over midseason, and, and now he's headed to Michigan State. And anybody listening to this who watched football knows how important a long snapper is, as we saw this season when Hank Pepper went down and Michael Donovan struggled, um, and he has since uh, committed as a transfer to Miami. So um, some some depth there. Um, and Elijah Collins, fan favorite running back, who uh, stuck with the program for five seasons, is transferring to Oklahoma State. So that pretty much wraps up the uh, transactional news and some of those updates over the last uh, however many days, five, six days then since we recorded. Interesting landing spot for Elijah. I mean, I, I know they, I don't think they're really loaded at running back. I know they have some younger guys in there, but. Uh, well, they know. had, they had a, uh, um, Oklahoma State had a commitment from uh, Western Michigan, Sean Tyler, um, then as a transfer and then Tyler flipped to Minnesota. So I don't know if, if that's Elijah filling the spot that Tyler had, but either way, I think that's a uh, notable, but uh, yeah, good for him. And I think, you know, we can talk about this later, maybe uh, break down the numbers, but I think I mentioned it last week, you're seeing more of these guys transfer to power five programs than we were seeing at the beginning of Mel's tenure when it was a lot of, a lot of Mac heavy type of uh, situations there, group of five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that speaks to just sort of the, the talent influx talent upgrade that Mel's bringing in. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about that as spring football approaches and, and whatnot and throughout the off season. So I think that's going to do it for today's uh, episode of MLF Spartan Confidential Podcast. Apologies for the audio issues. Hopefully when I get into this in post, everything will be all right. And you guys can still hear Matt and Kyle while I was out uh, 
fingers crossed on that one. We'll we, see we said happens. a bunch of terrible things about you the whole time. Yeah, so I figured it's fine. Yeah. It's all good. I can handle it, Kyle. We're good. I have Twitter, so I'm used to it, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, but yeah, hopefully everything turns out enough uh, so we can uh, get this episode out for you. But that's going to do it. Uh, appreciate everyone for listening. You know where to find us on Twitter, mlive.com slash Spartans, where you find all our Michigan State coverage, and you know where to find our episodes. So, Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel. I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Combat Podcast. Talk to you next time. Go Brandon.